0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Essential Viewing AYCH Movie Podcast, where we t- we watch a movie and tell you whether or not it's Essential Viewing. My name's Jonathan, and I'm with me. I got my
1: lovely co-host... Cody... Cinematical! That canon guy's back in the house, show. woo woo, woo. Welcome. Woo. It's Pulp Free Pat. Oh. oh,
2: It's Wenzel.
1: Alrighty. We're full of fiction. What? Like... <laughs> Pulp fiction, the pulpiest of fiction. Squeeze it out. All right, I hate pulp so much. I I love pulp. Pulp and orange juice is delicious. No, No, what the fuck? I like how it hits my teeth. It's just chewed. I I love (laughs) chewing. You're fucking fucking
3: disgusting. No, is great.
0: Um, (laughs) Now I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking it's like, wow, you guys already do a lot of movie stuff with your non-canon files and stuff like that. Well, the purpose of this is kind of to do like older classics, uh, cult classics, midnight movies, movies you might have missed, movies you might not have known about, try to introduce you to them. Also, kind of keep it a little casual but a little analytical. Introduce you to some like film studies type of thing, help you hopefully appreciate films more. So, want to go around the room, uh, or let me tell you what movie we're covering tonight, which is. 1994's *Pulp Fiction*, directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Uma Thurman, and Bruce Willis, and now and a few other people, and a lot and a of other, other people. people,
3: yeah, and feet, a
1: lot of feet. feet,
0: featuring a lot of feet. Anywho, well, we're gonna go around the room, uh, give like first or uh, your experience with the movie, first impression, things like that. We'll go start with
3: Cody. So Pulp Fiction, to me, is a movie that kind of, I don't want to say kickstarted my cinematic enjoyment, but it was definitely a movie that I had not necessarily, uh, prior to watching Pulp Fiction, I don't really remember movies as well. Like, movies were just a quick snippet, there wasn't really any depth to movies to me, and then I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time, I don't know, I guess like 10 years ago maybe?
0: Yeah, it was probably high school? Yeah, it was
3: like early high school, late middle school somewhere in there, mm-hmm. and it just kick-started my whole like love of film and cinematography and movies, and because of the way it told stories, and it really solidified my love for dialogue, if you can't tell yeah. by my con- cons- consistent talking throughout, persistent talking throughout these podcasts that we listen to. Um, so I've seen Pulp Fiction- what? Uh, I've seen Pulp Fiction, Winslow. Can you hear me <laughs> over there? <laughs> no, I, I just didn't. I didn't know you were
4: a
2: talking kind of person. You are. Oh. You're always so
3: quiet. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm shy. Those were compliments, but
2: Almost, I'm, a sh- I'm shy.
3: Oh, <laughs> woo <Ooh-woo. laughs> On TikTok, I'm a. do not even on TikTok. Oh, like, a, I was I'm really a, hoping s- that was a joke. Uh, okay, first of all, TikTok. TikTok is the best thing since. Uh, Honestly, it's the best thing. We need to have a whole no. other separate podcast. We're to not gonna talk it. about
2: yeah. that. The no. TikToks of
3: the week. It's like a ten minute special talking about the TikTok trends. No. Oh anyways. No. Um I've seen Pulp Fiction since then. I don't rewatch really movies a lot. I really don't. But Pulp Fiction it's, it's tough, but yeah. I've seen like six or seven times now. Wow. It's a lot It's a. have seen it quite a bit of times Just for the fact that It's such a good movie Oh yeah And every time I watch it I come away remembering Something more about it So mm-hmm. That's my experience With Pulp Fiction Now that I've run up Everyone else's time About <laughs>
2: <laughs> No I mean no, no that's fair I mean it's like, inle- like Unless there's a movie That just really Really speaks to you You know of course I, I don't really re-watch Movies Many movies But some of them That we're gonna be doing later I have rewatched several times Stay tuned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go Colt
5: okay. uh, My previous experience with All right. uh, it? Pulp Fiction <laughs> <laughs> was I, I've only seen it once before And uh, the one time that I did watch it I was uh, a, f- a kid I did not know what was going on But I did enjoy it And uh, I remember it v- uh, I don't really remember it But I do remember yeah. going in the basement Because Cody said come on and watch Pulp Fiction with us in the basement And we did. It sounds sketchy. I know. But it was good. (laughs) Jonathan was there too. Even sketchier. But uh, I like it. It's a good movie. I've only seen it two times. All right. Thanks, Cole. Thank you. (laughs) Wendell's fucking interrupting me like bitch <laughs> <laughs> he stuttered my brain this fucker
2: was wearing a pillow on his head like a hat I had to get him Okay. even so though I've done it before you know Sonic this, mask was brought out at yeah, one this point from, uh, it's still still in my bits <laughs> alright go canon
1: uh, well uh, I too uh, the first time I ever saw Pulp Fiction I was way too fucking young to be watching Pulp Fiction yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um, uh, it's I've seen this movie many many times uh, I've really enjoy this movie tonight was the first time in at least i don't know two or three years since i've watched it and i still really enjoy it uh back like i'm pretty sure the first time i saw it it was either like you know cinemax showtime one of those movie channels yeah Mm, yeah. it's always one of those movies where if there's fuck all on i can just if it's on on one of the channels i can just start it from any point just like all right i'm gonna go watch it i like uh how the story just you know jumps around like the how it tells specific stories the characters the some crazy fucking characters in this movie <laughs> oh yeah and um, yeah I just I, I enjoy a majority of Quentin Tarantino's work <laughs>
6: <laughs> leave it at that uh, I feel like I have the most unique. Perspective in, in the in the viewing room tonight because it was uh, this is my very first time ever seeing Pulp Fiction. Wow,
5: <gasps> so popped talking, we popped you tonight!
6: <laughs> so it, it was definitely, uh, I, I enjoyed the movie, it's definitely an interesting perspective. Sort of having coming into the movie just like this pop cultural knowledge, like the, the movie is so well known, it's so like ingrained in pop culture that literally, like the first time I encountered. Well, fiction was like in like a Simpsons parody of it. Oh wow. And then just the different, you know, famous scenes throughout the everybody knows from the movie, just throughout, you know, life. And it is a it was a very interesting movie. And um, once we start getting our conversation going, get into nitty gritty, i I'm, I'm definitely interested to talk about it. But first time viewing, I liked it. It was very enjoyable. Yay. Did you blow your load?
5: Did you blow your load? Did you
1: blow your load? <laughs> Did you blow your load? Did you blow your load?
4: <laughs> oh, he I was it. holding it in. I,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea that that's what
3: that's what it sounds. It's his wiener sphincter. It's that's, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he's able to keep it in. <laughs> oh god! Um, Pat's a redhead. Their anatomy's different than Howard's. No,
2: that's fair. There's claws.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, is that true? <laughs> He's like he's like Nova, my cat got hooks on his wiener. Oh man, I'm you're glad. Like
2: I'm, okay, I'm glad we could fit cat dick on the podcast. I'm <laughs> too. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
1: I'm not. No, yeah. I'm
5: nowhere near here.
2: <laughs> no, right. You're the one that brought it up. No, anyway, did I? <laughs> actually, you
5: asked it. You said. You did it. Held it in.
2: You asked. Did you blow your load to Pat? No, I mean before the podcast. Okay. God, okay shut okay, the fuck okay. up. <laughs> um like Cole I, last time I saw this movie was when I was 12 I didn't know what the, I was I. it was that time when I like I wanted to be like part of you know like know what's going on in pop culture and stuff so I watched it thought it was a good movie had no idea what the fuck was going on like I mean I knew what, I w- what was going on but like of course at the time you know I don't I don't get understand, you know, themes or looking in deeper into cinematography and stuff. So, of course, but now watching it again, it was like sort of having like fresh eyes because I lost my shit as I lost my shit the first time. And uh yeah, it's a great movie and I yeah, I can't wait to really get deep into it. So,
3: it's really cool how you watch uh, movies um, personally, I know it's your turn, Jonathan. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I think it's really cool how you watch movies and from like a young age to an older age. And this is something that I, I guess we're going to touch on a lot in mm-hmm. this in this podcast in particular is specifically how you can watch movies at a young age, have one perspective, watch it middle age, have a different perspective than the first time because you're kind of understanding a little bit more. Yeah, nuance. are we,
5: are any of us middle-aged?
3: No, I'm talking about like as a, like 12-year-old versus like 18 years old versus 25 years old. As you go through the tra- piece, like, what I what I picked up when I was 12 years old is n- nowhere near what I picked up when I was, you know, yeah. 18. And when I was 18 was way different from what I picked up now. So, it, movies transform, they change, they change social context um, and things like that. And we'll talk about that a little bit too, I'd assume.
0: Definitely. Uh, I remember... God, I had to been 14 or 15 when I first found this movie. And I remember I had a friend who was just really huge in the movies and I kind of looked up to him I'm like, you got to show me all these movies. And he's like, okay, I'll show you this one. And I remember first off, like that was the first time I've ever heard the word fuck said so many times in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And I was like,
3: what? You can do that? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it did not summon the devil, <laughs> exactly. Unbeknownst to our twelve-year-old uh, brains, yeah, thirteen-year-old brains, <laughs> exactly.
0: And, and also as well, like it was just like a movie that was just propelled almost entirely by dialogue. It was like I'm like engaged the entire time. You know, beforehand, you know, you super into you know kind of the Lucas Spielberg '80s action movies, which are great, but this was like the first time I saw movies as something to like dissect and analyze and around this time I was also getting into like English literature and things Mm. like that and it's like oh I can apply those things to school to movies yeah and that's sort of what I want to like try to do with this podcast as well
3: kind of pull things apart
0: yeah and I think this is also like a really good movie to do that with Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is too I I don't know like and and like Cody was saying uh, Every time I watch this movie, I come out with something different. Some uh, opinions about certain scenes change. It's just a real. It, it's amazing how, you know, you watch some movies and it's like, okay, I have the same opinion from the first time I saw it to like each time I see it. It's like, oh, there's nothing much I can get out of it. But with this one, it's one of those movies that has definitely has a lot of rewatch value.
5: Absolutely.
3: I, I'm trying to be more of a person who is into rewatching movies mm-hmm. because when I was talking about earlier about like when you a first viewing of a movie is you taking that movie at face value, what is giving you and you're just experiencing it for the first time. Oh yeah. Second, third, fourth times you watch it, you're actually breaking it down piece by piece and you're starting to see scenes in a different way than it seems different from the whole of the movie. And This is much easier with this type mm-hmm. with especially with pulp fiction mainly for the fact that you know, it's broken into chapters yeah. <laughs> yeah. that, that are also broken away from a timeline so yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a fantastic movie to actually break down and it, honestly it's a good, I think, I mean like It's literally a fucking puzzle. Yeah it, it mm-hmm. is a little bit of a puzzle um, and it's also
0: a movie uh, we'll probably get into this with later movies that we watch but uh, if you ever like venture into any sort of art film or any sort of like Quote like high art or whatever. Yeah, there is this tendency to where it just becomes more laborious
3: and homework.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas art like art
3: house type films where it's just like like a few years ago in Antichrist uh, with oh my, Willem Dafoe okay. and yeah. And I
0: have very strong feelings about. I Culture. would actually
3: like to do that on, on this podcast. As you well. know, I think I, I, I
0: definitely do too. I think it's on our large list. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, but it, he is a controversial figure. We'll get to later. Um, fuck, I lost what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Nice job coding. The Antichrist oh, is sorry. pretty, you know, it's just laborious. It's, it's oh yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like you see the artistic craft that goes into it, but it's not enjoyable to watch. Yeah, Whereas, like this movie, even on a superficial level. Is just fun. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you feel
3: engaged with the characters. I do want to mention just before we go into the rest of this movie is that this movie is a product of its time. Very yes. much so. In A lot of ways. Uh, there but then are, again,
5: I feel like they could have dialed it down. It's ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know. Yeah. But the thing, and I should mention that this is
3: a product of its time. There are some. If you do decide to watch it, if this is your first time watching this movie, uh, and you want to watch this movie, if you're listening to this podcast, and we don't want to spoil anything for you right here, after this little thing I spell right here. Full spoilers ahead. Okay. Yeah. But I do want to say is that there is a lot of violence. There is rape. There is uh, rape no. that is that is that is tilted to be humorous, which it can be kind of damaging. There is mm-hmm. there is racial terms from from uh, from both sides.
5: Beginning uh, to the end of the movie. Beginning in yeah.
3: the movie, no one is safe with racial terms here. This is every Gambit piece. Um, that you can imagine. So it is a very controversial movie in that aspect. Tarantino himself has controversy uh, around him, and none of that is excusable, but this is a product of its time, and we do want to just give you that warning before you go off and watch this movie and feel traumatized afterwards. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, uh, and, and I've heard, like, I remember after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I forget, it might have been the... The fucking boogeyman herself, Anita Sarkeesian, came out of that movie and <laughs> oh, was like, God. I hope Tarantino never makes a film again because of all the stuff in that movie. And it's like, uh ah. I would ask, but I still haven't seen that movie. so <laughs> It's one of those things like, well, after that movie, I'm like, eh, I kind of don't blame you. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along. And, and like I said, we also want to be critical. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. it might sound like as we're going around the wor- room, it's a bunch of just a dudes just jerking yeah jerking each other
4: off yeah
3: we love pulp fiction <laughs> yeah. pulp fiction is the, is the height Thurman. of masculinity have you seen samuel oh. have you seen samuel l jackson without a shirt on getting sprayed with a water hose Totally straight. No, okay. it's uh, Have you, have have you, you seen, seen, <laughs> okay, Cody?
0: This movie isn't Whoa. Fight Club. <laughs>
3: have you
2: seen Uma Thurman's feet? <laughs> oh yeah, bro. Um, oh man. Can we
5: talk about her feet for a little bit more? <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay,
5: I think Colt's starting to. So, uh, <laughs> Cody's like, no, we we're not going. So like we one one. started <laughs> here.
3: We can't. All all we can say is that we because because there, there is people who haven't seen later movies here. Tarantino has a foot fetish, and it was only brought to light really. Uh, in the past like year or so and so well, I mean uh, it, it,
0: it, no I mean it's kind of a thing where it was like, oh haha it was kind of like a joke and then <laughs> Once you like toe. really notice it, it's like, oh fuck! There's a lot, a lot of feet. feet. Like, literally, yeah. one of
6: the DVDs in the box that we watched Pulp picture from has a naked feet on it. Yeah, so <laughs> naked feet. <Yeah. sighs> but I do think we need to. <laughs> I mean, where, yeah, where should we s- should we
3: start from the beginning of the movie here?
0: Okay. Oh, well, where where I would like to start is probably the biggest thing that jumped out in me the first time I watched this was like what the fuck you can tell a movie out of chronological order yes what what do people think about that like plot structure and how does that how do you think that works in the movie's favor
5: i used to hate this because i remember watching when we first watched it i was so confused i did Mm -hmm. not know how to follow it Mm -hmm. then again i was 12 yeah but now that I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate this. It's fun yeah. putting the pieces yeah. together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would like
3: to... The person who I want to hear the opinion opinion on this is Patrick. What did you think about the non-chronological order being out of place and things like that?
6: No, it, it is very interesting to tell a story like not in a non-linear fashion, non-chronologically. And it is sort of fun to see all the different perspectives in in one day, in one timeline, and just like different perspectives at different times. I, like, it, it's a... It's a a very interesting uh, storytelling choice, and I and I liked it. And just another art in the sort of other directors I know they've, they've sort of gone it, taking that and played it in different ways. Like there's an animated movie I saw that's telling two stories. One's taking place in chronological order, was taking the from you know just as a regular s- sequence of time, but it's also at the same time it's telling a story that happened in the past in reverse chronological order. Oh. So it's like these two sort of passing stories happen uh, interspaced with each other, and that's and that was a really very interesting choice for me. Much in the same way with this film, and I, that's a choice that I, I really enjoyed. Just seeing the different perspectives in time. I part of me wonders if there's a like cut kind of this movie that puts it all together in chronological order. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty
0: one. sure there is.
3: Pro- yeah, probably fan made.
5: I'm actually kind of interested in checking that out. Yeah. to see it in one go.
3: Uh, maybe intercut with a uh, phantom mentis, uh, mentis. <laughs> mentis.
5: <laughs> the, the, the phantom at it, phantom mentalist. Yeah. Yeah. I can,
1: when I saw this movie um, as as a little canon junior, like, I guess <laughs> like uh, the part where um, spoilers, uh, when Vincent gets killed, like, and then he pops back up later in the movie, I'm like, wait, what? Huh? What the? fuck Yeah. Is yeah. On yeah here?
3: Like, man. Oh. No, me was freaking. Yeah, hey, same. D- dumb kids. <laughs> and like it was in that, like that, that, that break in quite especially for younger Cody who watched this. I, it, it, kind of in the same boat as Colt, kind of in the same boat as Cannon, and kind of the same boat as Jonathan. I was frustrated because I'm like, why? Yeah. I was ha- excited because I'm like, this is different. And I was surprised. I'm like, how, is this working? <laughs> this, how, how does this work? And this, how does this work? Like, it was kind of all like <laughs> somewhere in the between because I first I did not like it, but at my second, at my second watch through, I really enjoyed it because. And then this, this actually, this watch through, I didn't even really think of it that much. Yeah, and that was the interesting thing about this watch through was that yeah, I looked at this, I just saw them as. Individual clips that were mashed together, and all these people are just intertwined and mm-hmm. in telling us it's like it's like a storybook, which is the same characters. It's yeah. it's,
6: it's Winnie the Pooh, right? But, <laughs>
5: uh, <but> with, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a
0: fucked up Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, you know,
6: just imagine like Samuel L. Jackson and like a Winnie the Pooh like Wednesday. He's just his face is glaring out from the hood, blasting. Say so uh, what one more goddamn time. So many,
5: time. so many ways, Tigger could be on screen <laughs> so, I think uh, there
3: is. I think I saw I like an artist rendition of Tigger and Pooh as Samuel L. Jackson yes you
5: have and uh it was just them and
3: I, were, I think I've seen this too yeah <laughs> or okay. hallucinating anywho, no, maybe I
2: mean, mass hallucination anywho
3: um but yeah no I I enjoyed the I enjoyed the time I think the time shift I don't know what it I, I don't and this watch through, it was very difficult for me to sit here and think, what does it actually add to the movie, besides kind of just being tying fun. it all together
6: and being kind of fun and yeah. kind of funky, you know? One thing that did surprise me, just being my first viewing, is that I didn't, I only knew sort of the different sort of scenes out of context within just sort of general pop culture. So the fact that the movie is sort of essentially several vignettes sort of tied together. That was a surprise for me because I was expecting it to be like you know like standard film in some sort of chronological order, and so that that was a very it wasn't like a shock. It was just like it was, it was a it was a nice surprise. It's it's a very unorthodox way of telling a story, but it, and but when you see everything together, it makes sense because you're able to put the pieces together. Of course, we we don't know quite the you know the sort of spaces and time, but I, that's that I just sort of adds to sort of the, a lot of the. Free-standing mysteries about the movie that get people when we need to talk about, think about, make theories, write papers.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was just gonna say, like Cody, whenever I watched it this time, even though it's only my second time, I didn't think about it. It just all kind of like yeah. worked.
3: Yeah, it, it just it just was a, it was much at the the first few times I watched it, it threw me off first one or two times, and by now it's just like it's just the inner mechanisms. It's it's like realizing that you know car can go into an, another gear or something it's like the first time you do it, it's like whoa but now that i've watched it a few times it's like smooth sailing baby yeah you know just we on the road exactly you know and you get to experience <laughs> the movie in full and i i really enjoy that i love how i love how the movie became easier to watch the more i watched yeah. yeah and uh less it's less of a complicated story and more of damn this is a really good story I also, let's, let's just continue. I'm yeah, like, yeah there, there's a, like, this definitely
0: isn't the first thing to ever do this, but it did definitely popularize the whole nonlinear storytelling concepts. But like you were saying, it's like, you know, the first couple times, you're kind of like, at least with me, like, I was, like, super into it, but I am I was just kind of like, I'm here for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, I remember there's, like, some writer's in literature I would read who kind of do similar things. And I remember like the first time I read these people's novels, I'd be like, what this is in fucking comprehensible. Yeah. Uh, It also doesn't help that a lot of those are written in stream of consciousness, which is another, Uh. but like on a second read, it was like, Oh my God, this makes so much more sense. Yeah. You You have the whole context of the story going in. Um, and like we were saying earlier, like I, I would definitely be interested in seeing a, a chronological cut of this movie, yeah. but I think that would just rob the movie of a lot of tension. And like on a surface level, like everyone's saying, it makes like this—not necessarily literal sense, but more intuitive sense. Every scene naturally progresses to another, yeah. even though there are a lot of anachronisms. And, and, and we were watching it on a really good TV and really good it sound. It looked... Yeah. Ooh, it was so... It, it looked really good. Yeah. But I... I and granted, I've seen this movie a uh, countless number of times. And I started to see, like, little cracks. And I'm like, that that has to be intentional. <laughs> because it was just, like, these little details you think they would catch. But it... I don't know. But, like, like I was saying, like, on a surface level, it, it would just... I don't know how Tarantino and Roger Avery did this but made it makes more sense if it was
1: out of place. If, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and it kind of and, and one thing I noticed this time in particular it ha- almost is uh it kind of inverts on itself in in a while, if I'm making sense. What uh what do you mean? Like it starts out like in the same place like it, like the beginning is split to from the beginning in the end of the movie, and then the end is like in the middle of the movie, and it kind of does this weird loop back into itself. Yeah. Oh yes.
3: Which could get into deeper theories, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> you're you're experiencing Ragnarok in a way, uh, in, a, in some sort of fashion of like the cycle of life and death in a way. Yeah. Um. But like, I am. This time around, I was able to collect a little bit of a of a different viewpoint from like superficial to like this movie is to me is shallow water. Like this is how I viewed this movie this time. It was very shallow water. It's not very deep. It looks like it could be deep. Mm-hmm. There's tons of life. It is a beautiful coral reef in the shallows of the on the beach side, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see any, there was no real deepness there. Everything that looked deep kind of caught your attention, like the briefcase, like what the fuck was in the briefcase? Like, younger me was like boggled, like, oh, that's, you know, his soul, or, you know. (laughs) Well, there was, (laughs) I think, a, a
0: novelization of the movie was supposedly it was Marcellus's soul in the briefcase well, and and the band-Aid was to cover up the 666 that was on the back of his head and like Tarantino's own admission was like we just did it as kind of a plot device. I mean, we kind of, you know, th- we yeah. don't even know what it is, and it kind of doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. It, but
3: that's that's the depth. Of, that's what I'm saying, is that it looks yeah. deep, but it's not deep, but it's still teeming with life and complexity. Oh, yeah, It's not like For an sure. empty shallowness. It's a shallowness that's com- that, is, that is complex, and it is like, it is the, like, this movie was much about fucking nothing. It affects none, does not affect the world in any way or fashion. This is just life stories of some gangsters fucking some shit up and, and a yeah. boxer who fucked over these gangsters and a gangster's boss who gets, gets in a bad situation <laughs> real quick. So, okay. yeah. and, and like, spoiler...
2: The gang, Marcellus, the boss, gets fucking raped, and yes. I completely forgot about that. I don't
1: know how you forgot. Wow, about that, that I is. Mean, I mean, you were twelve the first time. I, I was twelve.
2: That. Yeah, so I just forgot and watching or again, repressed it, repressed it, and seeing again. I, like I said, seeing fresh. It was almost like having fresh eyes.
3: Yeah, there was an interesting thing that that, that Tarantino kind of does is where he like he says lo- the N word a lot of oh, movies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah he does um, there's a lot of movies where you see um where where it's things are implied right that's what a yeah. lot of movies do so like there was an implication like of rape happening in a scene where Bruce Willis was searching for a weapon but then suddenly break down the door and you get to see it full butt ass like happening in the corner yep. and you're just Kind of left in shock, whereas you're just assuming, oh, we're just gonna listen to this happening. It's like kind of, Ugh, and then he opens the door, and it's like, oh. So that was like a briefcase moment, right? That was mm-hmm. that was like that was the briefcase in a way, was that door being open, and and it, so we got to see that, but. You think that's going to happen with like, the briefcase. You think that's going to happen with a lot of things. There's a lot of doors. A lot of doors in this movie, if you've ever noticed. There's doors to the bathroom where Vincent gets shot by Butch. There's doors. They're standing in front of a the door.
2: Um, they go through a door to talk in front of a door and then come back through the door to go through a door into that apartment.
5: Are you fucking with me right now? No, no. no, no so there's just, a lot of door opening. There's a lot. Because, yeah. No, because they're
2: they're literally going through an yeah. exit, but it's not like a regular exit where it's just there's no door. It's like literally they go through a door, stand in front of a door, talk about whatever the – oh, foot, foot massage, massages. come back, and then talk again in front of a door. Yeah, and they're
3: just standing from the door. And there, there's a lot of doors there, and it, that's almost like – and almost all the time those doors get opened. Yeah. Like, actually, every time the door gets opened. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting where the whereas we get to see the lives and the briefcase. I mean, it's really not that deep. I can we can make it that deep. Right. The, well, yeah. the only
2: and- the only place that didn't really have any doors was or we didn't see many was uh, Marcellus's house. Where it was just windows.
3: Uh, Yeah, it was a very open space where they're able to enact. But then again, there was a hallway that led down to a door. Very narrow passages, doorways, things like that. And I wonder if that's like a cinematography thing. Is that a story building thing? it, It forces them into small spaces where you're able to interact with somebody on a micro scale in a way. Uh, like I don't know. Like to me, there was just a lot going on there, and yeah. like you, we can make it deep. We can say those doors mean those doors are actually the briefcase, and what you're viewing inside. The briefcase is their life, or you know, bullshit like that. I you mean, know, you, or I mean, yeah. you can see it as a, from a cinematography spe- perspective. I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry, but I just get really <laughs> excited about these types of things because it's yeah. like these little things you start noticing. It's like fuck, there's a lot of doors. Like, yeah, wh- who thinks about that? <laughs> fuck, there's a lot of doors. No, like yeah. no,
0: yeah, no, no, it's um. I, it's a definite motif. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, I think you're you you're hitting on sorta of what like the depth of the movie itself in the sense of It's like know, I, I don't wanna like I, I wanna wait to save my big diatribe of what this movie's about <laughs> towards the end because I I was sitting at work the other day because I kind of had a similar opinion or a similar thought like you the last time I watched mm-hmm. this, where I'm like, this movie doesn't really have as much as I thought it did. And it also didn't help I had someone with me who was like, yeah, this movie isn't deep. I don't know what you see in it. <laughs> <laughs> but And it was like, what? But then I, I it kind of <laughs> had this epiphany. And I felt like so stupid for when it happened. But it has to do with sort of... Knowing Tarantino and his philosophy on film, it's a very kind of meta thing. Uh, but kind of steering the it back to um, the whole plot structure, like we were talking about. Were there any set? Uh, what was y'all's favorite segment of the movie? Mm. Why? Like what? And if are there any segments you would shorten or just like get rid of of the movie? Ooh. Um,
3: so best, favorite, and least favorite.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you like all of them, you like all of them. If you don't like any of them, you don't like any of them. You know, that's your yeah, preference. Right. The
5: scene that I enjoyed the most was definitely when uh, Bruce Willis was just leaving his house, and then he's chilling at the red light, and then Marcellus Wallace <laughs> yeah. walks yeah. right in front of the car, and they just lock eyes, and he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> and then it just cuts <laughs> to Bruce Willis slamming on the pedal, running Marcellus Wallace over, into the chaos just ensues. ensues yeah. That is... Hands down, my favorite scene in No, that, whole that's movie. real fucking And that really
0: gets into, like, the whole idea of coincidence in this movie.
3: Yeah.
5: Which is a very big thing in
3: here as well. It's like, wow, it's coincidental that they survived the bullet rain from the apartment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the Vince and uh, Sam Jackson's character. I can't remember her character's Jules. Jules. Um, yeah, coincidence is big too, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, And And Marcel was just He was just holding A box of donuts Yeah
1: he had a coffee (laughs) Coffee too How are you going to Hit somebody when They're carrying donuts I know Really really shitty
3: (laughs) I really enjoy the Fact about One of the big things I really enjoy about That scene is that Bruce Willis got away Yeah He Mm -hmm. was free He had a watch He had a gangster That was supposed to be on him He was dead in the bathtub So that was one less Person he had to worry About coming for him
0: And and a lot of the All these vignettes Kind of have A Very Similar, like, mini plot structure to them where they uh, like everything is going according to plan, and then one thing fucks up. Yeah, like with <laughs> a Mia, the Mia and Vincent, Vincent storyline, yeah, she yeah. snorts heroin, mm-hmm. and that. And it, you think it's like, oh, is this going to be about they're going to secretly fuck and Marcellus is going to fight? No, she snorts heroin, and she's ODing, and it kind of takes a left turn into Crazyville. Yeah. You have the golden watch where that he runs into Marcellus right as he's about he's basically one. And it's like motherfucker. And then and then probably the funniest line in the movie, oh man, I think I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. when, yeah, that's like fuck. Side note, this movie is so fucking quotable. Yeah. Oh,
5: is. oh yeah. It's so iconic. It re- Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. Easily the most quotable out of yeah, all of the for sure. people in the movie.
3: Like, I, like I, Tarantino is known for his dialogue. Like he is, he has perfected movie dialogue where a lot of people might seem it, it. It works so it just flows so naturally, and you do have to have like you do have to have good actors to do yeah. this type of dialogue. Yeah. But he, but his way of writing is so good and he actually is a very good actor in this movie I thought his acting was he, no I, I mean, mean I, was, I, I thought he was fair yeah it was the weakest acting in this movie but let me tell you you're he's, dealing he's with,
0: definitely not a trained actor no, either. no. but
3: let me tell you these other people that were acting in this movie are like top tier so it's very difficult to be like mm-hmm. comparing yeah. him yeah Yeah, so like, but he did a really good job, and his dialogue spoke for itself in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, even Um, like,
2: even if we don't have much background on his character, the way he acted, like, it just like he really fit into like kind of the little hints about his character from Jules and Vincent, which was very good. Mm -hmm. But um, Cannon, what about you? What was
0: favorite and least favorite? Yeah, whatever.
4: What do you feel like? Oh, Pick
1: your man, poison. This is a tough one. Uh, and what I mean
0: by part, I mean more mostly talking about like the segments of the movie. Yeah, themselves. like yeah. If
6: you, I mean, well, if What segment f- stood out to you and for what reasons? Yeah,
1: I just uh, I love the uh, the banter between uh, Vincent and Jules, like in the very beginning of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Like that whole bit is it's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, just so yeah. natural around each other. Yeah,
3: like they're so themselves and so comfortable.
1: Uh, I have problems with Honey Bunny, especially towards the part where she's, like, freaking out. Like, some weird accent is just poking out.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) She says a different line both times. Anybody else catch that? Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: what I was talking about. There's, like, weird, like, continuity mistakes with the movie that I couldn't... They had to be intentional because they, they were obvious enough to where, like, if you're paying attention, you would catch them. But, like also not like super detrimental to the movie. Yeah.
1: Plus how good is it to see Bruce Willis actually trying? Oh man, I miss good old Bruce Willis. Don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, you, you know, it's a
6: old... few with Kevin Smith but they just kind of like are oh they're, they're both shit to work with. Last I've heard they've patched up. Oh, they have. That's yeah. good.
1: Like, but um I don't know, like uh even John Travolta like like this is a man who is starring in a film right now directed by Fred Durst. So no, yeah. By no. the way, we have to watch this. By the way, <laughs> look, I had no care in the world to see. I'm sorry I'm going off topic here, but there you go. This fucking movie that John Travolta's in right now is called The Fanatic, and I was like, eh, it's just another you know straight to DVD movie. Then I find out that Captain Limp Biscuit himself is directing it. Oh, sign me the fuck up. Yes, uh, so, so let's do it. I'm very interested in that.
3: Yeah, um,
0: but like. Cannon was talking about with like seeing like some of these actors. It's like God, it's actually good to actually see him give a shit. Like, yeah, even something that I, I like. What Tarantino does is he really take like he has certain actors he loves, and even if they're like having the worst times of his career of their career, he's like, I'm plucking you out of obscurity, motherfucker, and you're going to act good.
3: He's really good at viewing potential in characters, yeah, and people. He builds a character. It's almost like it's almost like he has a, a, a seedling of a character in his mind. He sees this actor, and then that that seedling grows around that actor. Yes, and he, that's and like I mean that can get repetitive to some degree, uh, depending on like later on in movies you end up getting characters where, like Samuel L. Jackson kind of stays, you know,
1: similar character. And I'm not sure if
3: that's Samuel L. Jackson or if that's Tarantino, but I've really only seen movies by with Samuel L. Jackson in it. That's that is, like, Tarantino. Um,
0: Th- that is kind of more of his thing. Where, like, Samuel L. Jackson, to me, is kind of like a Harrison Ford or a Chris Pratt, where yeah. they, they have their one thing, and they're really good at it. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. And then that's nothing against them. I, actually, a majority of actors are like that. Not every, Very rarely do you find, like, a Daniel Day-Lewis who can just do everything.
6: Yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say, Pat? I was going to say, to your point, like about the seed, because so much of the dialogue feels conversational and very sort of natural between the actors, to me it kind of feels like he gave them a basic idea for the character and he just let the actors, just let them do what they wanted, let yeah. them sort of make up, and, and sort of like he just sort of just let the film go. He just he just let the camera roll and he did, and they sort of... I don't know how much of the dialogue was improvised or they just sort of they were given the basic idea and they were just let to go with that. But it it, it feels natural because to, to me it probably is natural because, you know, some of the best things in movies have been just sort of letting the actors do what felt natural to them in that scene yeah. in their in their mind for that character. And I feel like that is why it resonates with a lot of people because it feels natural. It feels like some conversations people had. That's why, you know, Seinfeld is so resonant with a lot of people because it has just a very natural, like, cadence and feeling to the topic and how it just sort of meanders and sort of comes back to a point or just sort of goes off in a completely different direction. Yeah. And those are sort of things. It feels genuine and people respond to sincerity like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd
5: agree with that. Yeah.
0: Um, um, and kind of going off of that point, something I kind of... It's not, like, a super problem I have with his later movies, but with this movie, the characters feel more, I guess, for lack of a better term, real. Yeah. yeah. Where, whereas, like, his later movies, like, *Inglorious Bastards, like, in particular, and, uh, fuck, like, The Hateful Eight. They feel larger than life. They feel them? like movie characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and that's that's definitely the intention he's going for. Yeah. But I feel like... These could probably yeah, be real people. Yeah, and this was also, too, when, like... People had reins on him, and he wasn't just given cartwatch watch to do everything. And he's like, "I'm going to make a four hour movie. We're going to turn it into miniseries and put it on Netflix." Well, I let's think with go. something
6: like *Inglorious Bastards*, like I think just with the the idea and the setting, like having real characters in such like a, a hyperbolic story and situation, that to me would feel like a clash because
0: oh, that that is true. So,
6: like like you know something like *Inglorious Bastard, it, it is sort of like a very like crazy sort of almost over cart- the top cartoonish
0: like a historical type of thing yeah
6: you know, we continue those forward and of course bastards they kill hitler and it's a big <gasps> explosion so like it's obviously they're gonna like that's putting
0: it mildly
6: <laughs> yeah they just say they killed the hell out of hitler <laughs> so like it, to me like that he as someone is not as well versing tarantino's working all of it just like He sort of, you know, you have real-life characters for Mm -hmm. a more, quote, grounded situation versus, you know, a very hyperbolic state with the earth, like Goyce Bastard or something. But because even the crazy things that happen in Pulp Fiction, you know, to to me aren't that crazy. Because, you know, think of how many stories we've heard throughout history or just what people have told us. Just how bizarre and unbelievable real life can get. Like, yeah. truth is stranger than fiction.
0: Yeah, and, and it kind of leads into that whole idea of coincidence, of just like yeah. how just random shit happens, and that's just kind of how life is.
2: Yeah, and I mean, the, a lot of the movie is kind of nihil- nihilistic. Yeah, yeah. You, I kind mean, of. yeah. I mean, you get that because you know shit happens, and what are you gonna do? But um, I was gonna say my um, my favorite scene was actually. Towards the end, literally at the very end, where like the beginning is comes back, and when um, Samuel Jackson uh, Jules is uh, pointing his gun at Ringo, and he starts quoting him that fake Bible verse, or not fake, but like sort of like uh, semi-fake, semi-fake, Bible semi-fake, yeah, embellished, embellished and um, he kind of like turns it on its head and like he says like I am the tyranny of evil men like like, like you said he is very quotable and that is a good ass line yeah. and, and
0: what what's super awesome about that scene in particular it's, it's literally the same speech he gives at the beginning of the movie but it is this more machismo like like he says at the end of the movie I thought that was some ice cold blood shit to say before I shot a motherfucker yeah and, and, but, and then to see him kind of pull back for the, this more subdued. And uh, I saw, I was watching an interview with uh, Jackson uh, where he was talking about auditioning for the part of Jules. And that that was the scene that he had a audition with. And he said, I, I planned all this stuff, you know, what, all the things I was going to do. And then I get in there and then just do what I did for the final scene where it was more like subdued. And that's how he got the part.
1: That's the first time uh, watching that scene to where I was just like, I kind of got chills. Same, yeah, when I was, when Yeah. I was a lot younger. I'm just like, man, I'm waiting for this long ass movie to be over with. But now, like, <laughs> watching it here, I was just like, oh, this is some good shit, right? Here. Yeah. yeah. I definitely yeah. remember
6: there's different parts in this movie. I saw Kenny, like, kind of straightened up and kind of leaned forward. It, it, like, <laughs> it <was> like anticipation. <laughs> yeah. It really, because, like, because this is my favorite
3: scene, too, is now. This used to not be my favorite scene. My old favorite scene was the cheeseburger scene. Yeah. yeah. That was my old favorite scene. The scene because it was such, so badass and it was scary. Like Samuel L. Jackson was this, he was this jackal, he was this, he was a kind of low key type character that kind of comes in. He's a trickster and he's like leading these people on, and then suddenly he pulls the gun out on them and just shoots yeah, well, guys. And he's
0: always in a a position of power in the scene, yeah, yeah where it's
5: scary, yeah,
0: because like he, like anytime. Any of the dudes try to move, he's you know like this. He doesn't even have to say yeah, anything. He, just, he
3: like just moves his
0: hand. And, yeah, and and they like sit down, and he's just towering over him. And then when he really gets into it, and this is one thing I love about the cinematography, and this isn't the only time this happens in the movie, but uh, the the scene is uh, the camera is looking up at him.
4: Yeah, like, and yes. it, it definitely
0: yes. uh, displays that power when he's just like, say what again. <laughs> say what more, more time motherfucker I love this I love... don't don't but
3: my now my favorite scene is this ending scene specifically for the fact that it kind of is role reversal and it also shows like that power again mm-hmm. but in a very like different capacity yeah and a different willingness i don't know it was just a very different scene with same power and it was scary yeah
2: because it's like because it's like at like in the beginning it was him being a gangster but now it's like he's even in different clothes too he's he's gonna retire it's just like it's completely just turn on its head where it's like you know like you said like that's just some cold shit but now it's like it's not some cold shit and he's very religious it's like it's some like he is in this moment acting like I, I can't. Even, I don't even know to say God or a demon or something, but he's he's in this moment. He's acting super fucking powerful.
6: What I thought was interesting about uh, Samuel Jackson's character is how how uh, for like a good chunk of the movie he's not in it, and how like you see he's at the very beginning, at the very end, and I feel like it's interesting how he has this huge life changing realization. Over the course of the movie, and but and like in his time and the time of the movie, it's really like m- maybe a few hours because the whole thing takes place like before noon or something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's so how, how you see him in the beginning of the movie, you know, the first you know at the start of the movie, then like two and a half hours later, he's a different person. and I feel like I th- I thought that was an, a very interesting way to structure his sort of development over the course of the movies. How you have his how uh, it's it's one day his life has changed and in just in two hours how, how you separate that and, that, and that's, I feel that's a good way sort of to give a character that space even though that much time has happened in the course of the story so you have like all these other things and they fill the time sort of like in, 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 a, in a kind of normal structure movie a character has their arc and you see it the entire time, but
3: yeah, because if it was in the if it was in chronological order, then Samuel L. Jackson would have that realization at the beginning of the movie and be over with. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was
0: talking about. Where I was like, all the narrative tension would just deflate from the yeah. movie.
3: Um, one of the interesting things about that was that we were kind of I just kind of realized is that beginning of the movie he plays God. He has their life in his hands. He takes their life. God, he believes God intervenes, saves his life despite him just killing someone. <laughs> and then at the then in that moment where he kind of redeems himself, he plays God again and spares the man. Yeah. So he's sort of God in this movie. He's the ultimate gun. Wait, wait, it's wait. it's
0: almost like the first part is Old Testament and the end is New Testament. Yeah. Oh
3: my god, are we getting deep here? <laughs> I mean, we got I mean,
2: it, I mean there is a hierarchy within the movie. It's really it's really weird.
3: Okay, I got it. Sam Jackson, uh, fucking, what is his name? I forgot his name already. Uh, John Travolta. Oh, John Travolta. God damn. Both angels.
1: Mike, hey, John Travolta's played an angel in a movie. Michael. Boom. Oh, yeah, my God, I (laughs) forgot that movie existed. They played it all the time back in TNT. Oh fuck! And stars, <laughs> stars wore that fucking movie out. What movie was that? Uh, he's the archangel Michael. He's it's he's, literally called Michael. Yeah, he's on Earth and Never just, he's just person. like a devout he's dude having sex and eating sugar oh, cereal. All right. it, it was this
0: movie that came out in the late '90s. I remember. Sounds like a
1: late '90s. Movie. There was this <laughs> sure cereal. There was
0: one of these kids' movies I had that that was the preview before the movie, and I couldn't. It was like. The, the Wizard of Oz or something. But we're getting off topic. Yeah.
3: Pulling, pull, real real quick, I do want to get off topic real quick. Pulling back and kind of viewing cinematography history here, like movie history, like if the 50s were like golden age of Hollywood, the yeah. 90s were like, look at this dirty motherfucking city <laughs> known as L.A. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Like, especially yeah. early 90s. Yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of... 70s movies, but with a lot more charisma.
3: Yeah, and a lot more like animated and like it's almost like more exaggerated. A lot of 90s movies do that, just showing, yeah, LA, dirty fucking place. Yeah. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or what. Oh, God, hiccups.
0: And and while we're on the, while we're kind of tangentially on the subject of the ending scene and the ending speech, what do you sort of make of that, whether it be like character wise or thematically?
2: Uh, oh. Man, I don't know. Somebody say something. <laughs> uh,
3: what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah. What do you mean exactly?
0: What do you? What do you think? What message do you think is be, trying to be communicated with that?
5: Oh shit.
0: Um, fuck. I mean, you
5: know, are you my English brain. I'm so <laughs> tired for this shit no, I mean this is what this is what essential yeah. viewing is essentially yeah, supposed
2: no. to be and I and I so much meant to do research before this because yeah. I ordered a blu-ray copy of this movie because it was five dollars but fucking Amazon delayed it God.
0: Fuck you Amazon.
6: Because I wanted to research for the movie but then I realized I would be essentially spoiling yeah, myself true. for the movie. Yeah. I do, yeah well, I'm that. like, that's you, fine.
3: That's fine. But what did you pick up this time is kind of what the
6: question I'm, I'm is. i like, yeah. No,
0: no, no. I or get that. We do we want to start with Pat. See what Yeah. Like, yeah wait, what yeah, do you think, think,
6: Pat? Yeah. Put <laughs> <the onus laughs> on me. <laughs> <laughs> or just <laughs> like I got this shit. This <laughs> mother motherfucker. <laughs>
3: Oh, God, they got finger guns out. Okay, that's for the other podcast. Say what? <laughs>
6: the-
3: say what? I want to go home.
4: Where <laughs> she does the. <laughs> <So> it's, <fun.
6: laughs> it's all on see. <laughs> what nuggets I got rolling around up in there?
5: Um, ooh.
3: <laughs> I mean, I have something if you don't.
6: Well, I, I well, there there is something I want to bring up earlier. Uh, it, it was a. a a point about the the briefcase D- just sort of like my pre- just sort of like my preconceptions of the movie versus what it actually was sort of like I, once again, I wasn't expecting you know a nonlinear narrative and plus I was kept thinking because I knew the briefcase going in was like it was significant or at the very least mimetic from the movie so I, my pre- preconception was I kept thinking this was like a kind of a madcap Scramble to like get the briefcase, but the briefcase kept kept changing hands with the course of the movie, and then they're sort of like you kind of tease about what it is throughout the whole time. But that's another thing how it it really doesn't play that big of a part. Like it, it's significant in a few in a few scenes, basically at the beginning and at the end,
4: mm-hmm.
6: and uh and, and sort of like it's it's sort of funny how at the beginning it's it's very it's critically important that we retrieve the briefcase, and then at the end it's sort of it's sort of like an afterthought. I mean, it, it, it's critical in that it allow it gives it distracts Ringo long enough for Jules to counter, to, to at least his, you know, his countermeasures. So that was interesting. it sort of like, it sort of just sort of further illustrates the sort of reversal of the movie. Like, what happens with Jules' character, how he goes from this very sort of abrasive, antagonistic character to this sort of sort of sort of aggressive, like subduedly aggressive yet strangely merciful character. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of, like I said it's sort of it it's just another sort of side piece of the movie. Sort of, I, think that, I thought that was interesting.
3: I I was just thinking along the lines like what it means that you talking about the speech? Or like You're poking it. you're trying to yeah. poke at something. I'm trying to figure out what you're fucking poking at.
0: Well I mean I just want to also pick y'all's brains before I well, Go on to my thing too.
3: Obviously, like he just spared a bunch of people's lives in a lot of ways, but also mm-hmm. like at the cost of their money, their wallets, and things, and their time. <laughs> yeah. So like there was this like angelic kind of moment to him of like protect as playing God, like literally being in control and that sort of thing. Um, as for like a direct message, obviously it, it's sort of like. I don't really know. I don't really know. I, I I don't. I can't really think of the message. Well, that,
0: like, or is there a message?
3: I don't know. If, that's the thing about this movie. Is like, first time I kept trying to pick it apart and try to find a find, find a message, and I just didn't find it. And or or at least I had ideas of like you know big concepts of like you know like like his souls in the case and stuff like yeah. that. But now that I'm watching it, it's like I don't know if there is a a a, a thing other than just like um kind of coincidence and f- f- going with the flow and well, kind of
2: I mean that, that like I was saying about you know um sort of like with nihilism and also with kind of like the um with some of the uh, objects or things within the uh within the movie like the briefcase i mean who knows what's in it but i mean does it really matter if there's anything in it no it obviously it doesn't, it doesn't because you know it's it's given it's given um Importance, you know, ish.
3: also like second chances are a thing in this, yeah, in a way. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Willis's character got a second chance, uh, Mia got a second chance, uh, M- Marcellus got a second chance Fuck. in a yeah. weird, horrible way, yeah. Marvin yeah. Uh, didn't, the Marvin didn't get a second Marvin chance, Marvin did not get a second <laughs> chance, and, <laughs> Poor ben, Marvin. and Vincent did get a second chance he was basically given not a second chance he did get a second chance in the sense that he survived the cafe but he ended up going back to the life he had and was sh- shot and killed yeah so samuel jackson got his second chance and things like that so
2: yeah um I, I you know i i don't know i don't know what to say about that last part. i mean it just it just goes to show um that in that moment you know he re- he just realizes he's you know he's he's ultimately evil and he's trying to change
0: that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sort of what, like, sort of came to my mind the when I was like, because I sort of had the same ideas y'all were. I was like, there really isn't anything here. This is just really well written, really well acted, re- really well characterized. But I don't know how much is here. And I'm going to preface this by saying this is kind of half-baked. It also might seem a little obvious. I'm not saying this is the end all be all, but I was thinking. I I, I started thinking about this in more of a meta sense. Mm. Okay. And because I, I was always get I would always get caught up on what the ending speech was. I was like, you know that that's really cool, but like, what does this other than it sounding cool? Like he was saying, there's some cold blooded oh, shit. shit to say before I capped a motherfucker. <laughs> wow. Yeah. we're nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But, like, is there anything beyond that? And I started thinking about sort of what Tarantino has done throughout his career and is sort of elevating, for lack of a better term, pulp fiction or genre fiction. Mm -hmm. And sort of what I think the ending speech is, is sort of, in a lot of ways, this meta commentary on how a lot of people view genre fiction hmm. in the sense of it's lesser it's a lesser form and it's not worth your time and and this is kind of seen throughout a lot of the movie like the care w- what are the characters we focus on the characters are these kind of delinquents they're the dregs of society but what i think tarantino is trying to get with this or you know if you want to get into authorial intent, and that's another can of worms, but um, is the idea of this is worth your time. This is worth your... And it's actually detrimental and could honestly not be, or could be, I don't want to say deadly, but I mean, to be that hyperbolic, but it can be. Because especially in film, a lot of like... Oh, what's the term? Like a lot of these pulpier forms of fiction told stories from different perspectives, whether that be just, you know, Hmm. more outcast of society or even like marginalized society, marginalized people in society. Am I making sense? Is that like kind of out there? Yeah. No, you're pretty fair. How is this tied into the speech? Well, how it ties into the speech, and it is also kind of broadens out to more of just Jules and Vincent's discussion throughout the final part of the movie because the first part of the movie is them discussing it's kind of incidental like you get a lot of characterization in that moment but it seems like other than just this witty banter between two friends there really isn't much there Mm -hmm. but once there is this sort of coincidence that happens, you know, it's almost like when people talk about um, how, when you're in English class, the English teacher reads too much into it, you know, sometimes the blue wallpaper is just blue because the author thought that was the case, and that's sort of, if you think about their kind of dialogue from a more abstract meta perspective, Jules is more of the, this is just a coincidence. This isn't intended. This isn't worth your time. But Jules is sitting here thinking, like, no, th- this has meaning. This has purpose. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and look what happens to Jules, or it happens to him later in the timeline, but he, he, he ultimately dies. Jules? I mean, not Jules, Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, Vincent. No, no, Jules doesn't die. Yeah, Jules,
2: Jules is the one that's saying, "No, man, this is a miracle." And Vincent's the one that's saying, "It's just a freak occurrence." And then he gets shot up by Butch,
0: and, yeah. and
3: so and he doesn't dodge those bullets. No, he. <laughs>
0: and, and to sort of get back on or get to that, uh, to kind of tie that together, is how the speech is delivered. Like Jules said, I didn't give much thought to the speech beforehand. But now that I give thoughts to the speech, he goes on different options of what the speech is what the speech could mean yeah. to him.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, he, he goes and it's almost like he's trying to work out some sort of interpretation. Like, I mean, obviously, but yeah. like if you think about it from like a meta perspective, it's like the movie like or not the movie itself, but like genre fiction itself. And and like I said, this is sort of like Reservoir Dogs is his first movie and it's kind of this breakout hit but I feel like he was really trying to make his thesis statement with this movie cuz a lot of his influences are like these forgotten movies a lot of
3: spaghetti western spaghetti western martial arts martial
0: arts exploitation black exploitation yeah. movies which are are
3: and still are seen as lesser and cult classic, Pulp Fiction is now. Even though it's super popular, it's still considered to some degree a cult classic yeah. within a bunch of critics in a critic's world. You it, know? It, well, it's I, every I think movie it depends lovers. on who you ask. Yeah, of course.
0: But well, it, 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 this is like a really popular movie. Yeah, but
2: like I never see I never see cult that far away from the word or a cult classic apart far away from Pulp Fiction. It, it's true. From it, what it, I, it
6: just depends on like how deep whatever particular viewer is. Oh, going into father. the movie, like like uh, how how deeply they, they want to consume and think about the movie, but on your on your th- train of thought, it's a, uh, an idea I had thinking about the movie is that it, there are like a lot of uh, coincidences and and a lot of like different people interpreting what these sort of random happenstances mean. Is it random, or is it is it or like some kind of greater force behind it? And to me, it kind of feels like what if, what if the one interpretation may be it's sort of like maybe like a lifestyle sort of perspective it's just there's no there's, there's no objective meaning overall but it depends on how you view it. it 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 may it may be random happenstance it may be sort of preordained, but i feel like either either one is is meaningful to the to the individual and each, each viewpoint is valid. Yo, yeah, 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 for and, sure. And, and
0: getting what you were saying about how this film is kind of nihilistic, and I could see that to an extent, but it's also like, yeah, like you were saying, there's no like capital T truth, there's no like objective meaning in reality, and it's just kind of, life is just a series of sequential events. But what we do with stories, what we do with narrative is try to make sense and try to apply our own meaning to it. And I think that's sort of what he was getting at with this movie with the added message of just because this isn't high art. Doesn't mean it's not worth your time. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. There's not can, any lesser meaning. It,
6: it's, it's as deep as you want it to be. Yeah, it, it, exactly.
2: exactly. I mean, it's like literally with the briefcase. It's like there's literally nothing in there, but because it's there and because you see it and because Jules and Vincent have a mission, it's important. And it, I mean, and that's the same thing with the language, too. A lot of the it, language.
0: Exactly. And it's it's almost like he's kind of steering you into looking in this mood, look to look at this movie from a different perspe- or from a more abstract thematic perspective. Yeah. And I know that kind of sounds pretentious, but like, that's also kind of the point of what we want to do with this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I mean, And, and yeah. when I came up, when I saw that, I'm like, fuck, this is a good idea for a first episode. But, um, yeah. cause like, you know, the, at the beginning of the movie, the briefcase is this very important thing. It's this big plot point, this big MacGuffin. But like when it's, Turns out it doesn't really matter. It makes you put more focus on the characters, their struggles, and sort of like the thematics or, like we were saying, the coincidences. Yeah. Uh,
2: something I was going to say about language, though, and I, I there was another favorite line I had, and it was when Butch was in the taxi, was when uh, he said his name, my name's Butch, and Esmeralda's like, what does your name mean? And he's like, this is America, my name doesn't mean shit. Oh yeah, yeah, was, yeah and yeah. like I mean, that's just that's just another like incident, like especially with language too. How you know, a cheeseburger is known as a royal burger, or yeah. uh, what was it? He asked, uh, what was a whopper? And he's like, he didn't, I didn't go to Burger King. Or later, how uh, they said garçon, but garçon means boy when he uh, when Ringo calls oh, yeah. the uh, lady, or when um, Butch is talking to Fabian and Fabian says um, motorcycle but he's like no it's called a chopper
3: damn all this this movie is just doors and the concept of meaning yeah <laughs> Little, literally <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it is like that's
2: what you like and coincidence like I and said like it's very it's nihilistic but it's also like there's meaning there but there's not and it's just like it's just I don't know yeah. it's hard
3: it's very difficult it's like well, this means this this means that this does mean this this does mean that what does this mean? Here are the three options. I'm going this option. It is the most right option. But these other two options could also be right. You know, in its own way. And then, like, there is no meaning. Vince is no meaning. The only one that does not have... I don't want to say happy... Marcellus does not have a happy ending. But he does get out of it alive. Yeah, I mean, he's The only still- one that doesn't... The only one who does not believe in in, in the power of intervention or, or meaning is the one who ends up dead. Which
2: is kind of a weird take on like maybe uh i don't know it's not that no, deep bro <sighs> you know i take it back this is a christian
4: film <laughs>
0: yeah um, because that that was one of the things was like when i was thinking of it as like this kind of like nihilistic type of movie i was but i was like but the movie kind of rejects that with jewels and i was like yeah I don't think like like Tarantino's that like super religious or anything, but it being like a religious type thing, I think he that's an interesting juxtaposition between like religious or the sacred with narrative and story and like mm-hmm. um,
3: and the meaning of it all in between. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. This movie is very is. I gotta watch it another time. I, yeah. I'm, no. I'm really. gotta excited. watch it from. I gotta write it with a watch it with a notebook uh, in my hand. Exactly. And a, and no, a full no, night's
2: sleep. No. I, I have a notebook in my backpack right now, and I cannot wait for it to get Pulp Fiction in the mail because I'm gonna watch it again. And I'm gonna take notes because it's just it's like, like it's very int- it's still very interesting, especially on the second watch. I need to watch it again. Very good. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and like he does succeed in elevating these pulp, pulpier ideas, concept, genres to high art like mm-hmm. this movie won the most prestigious film award you can. It was
3: 1994, which was Forrest Gump. We're talking Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> We're talking with Pulp Fiction and probably several other movies that go. Yeah,
0: like that was 94 was a big year. It was a yeah. huge
3: year where movies that have made ripples throughout literally uh everything. See. Schindler's List was ninety four, wasn't it? Ninety
0: three, I think. Yeah. Well it's, it was at that same time. That period. time period. Yeah. Like,
3: these movies they made ripples and still uh the the standout movies from the nineties, if you think of nineties movies that stand out as like high art is Schindler's List. It's Ants. I don't know if I'd say four. <laughs> 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 Wait, what? Ants. <laughs> what? 1998. Okay, <laughs>
0: 1998. Wrong year. Get it right.
3: <laughs> bugs Life. Bugs Life is better. I
2: was going yeah, I was gonna say Bugs Life, man. Bugs Life. Replace no, replace Force Gun with Bugs
4: Life.
6: <laughs> well, comedy doesn't have to be like people can't look down the comedy Like it, you can't explore dark, you know, deeper things and have something affirming through comedy so like Forrest Gump you know, obviously has its you know theatrical merits but I'm definitely interested in Ken because he's one of the uh, inter- uh, people who's seen this multiple times and I want to know like what uh, what this viewing like what what has changed for you what what has been opened up to you so what's changed and what's sort of you know been your perspective through like this 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 latest viewing for you fuck uh, <laughs>
2: it's also super late it's midnight yeah we we've been going for an hour
1: oh <laughs> uh, what what has changed um
6: any new insights i can like that?
1: i appreciate it a lot more now because like i said it's been it's been a few years since i've watched it uncut all the way through um uh, it just makes me think of all the weird things that could have happened, you know, cause, uh, because because uh, Vincent's character is actually the brother of a character from Tarantino's first film, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. He's well, uh, Vic, right?
0: Uh, I think he's Mr. Blonde.
1: Yeah, Mr. Blonde. I, th- I don't know if his real name was Vic or whatnot, but um. Oh shit! You gotta forgive me, guys. I'm I'm dog ass tired. Right now. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's
2: all good. Um, I forgot. What I was... No, you know, it, they, I, like the scene that I've seen replicated so much. How the fuck did I get so loud? Oh my god! I'm sorry if anybody's listening. If I'm really loud, tell me to stop. Um, stop. <laughs> stop. Something. Like the scene that I've seen so many times that replicated so much is the scene where you know Uma Thurman and uh John Travolta are dancing on the dance floor, his fucking feet out. And it's like that scene, like watching it again is the like probably the least memorable, even though like the air, like even though the actually the, actually the set that they're in, the restaurant itself is actually much more mem- memorable than the dance itself, which is kind of weird for me. I don't know, I don't know what that's about, but it's just that that just that. It,
4: <gasps>
1: Oh God! What? I'm sorry. Uh, I got scared. <laughs> <laughs> the the one line uh, when um, uh, Buddy Holly was taking the order. I finally understand what Martin and Lewis and Amos and Andy means.
0: Okay, tell us because I have no idea. Oh
1: my God! It's so terrible. <laughs> oh no! What? Uh, talk. So, uh. Martin and Lewis is like Dean Martin and fuck his fucking comedy partner, whatever. Two white guys. Other two fellas, black guys. She had a vanilla shake. Oh, that's what Martin and Lewis. You want a chocolate vanilla? Oh, oh. wow, wow. It
0: was another race and it's a fifties themed restaurant. Yeah, so. yeah. Why isn't
1: there a Jack Rabbit Slims? God damn it, we need one of those.
5: Probably a uh, problematic.
1: Probably, right <laughs> probably
0: because of racism.
6: <laughs> yeah, 50s diners are, or probably because like it would cost like 10 million dollars to make that damn restaurant. Yeah, Actually, it really
1: cost 150 thousand dollars, and that was the most expensive part of the film.
6: Oh wow! And then they, boom! And then they tore it down the next day. Yeah,
1: they did. Although oh, it
6: was, it was cool to have like what all the almost all the dude waiters are just a Zorro. I want a Zorro costume. <laughs> which no that, that was. Yeah. That.
0: I didn't notice that until this watch. I, so no, I was right. like. Yeah, a lot of the dude waiters are fucking Zoro. Yeah. <laughs> also, like
1: it, Steve Bushimi's playing a waiter, and in Reservoir Dogs, he didn't like to tip waiters.
3: Yeah, So those, oh, that's, that, that's that comes awesome. full circle right there. That's yeah. fun. That's it, fun. It's a
1: Quentin
6: Tarantino cinematic. all takes place at the same <laughs> time. <point. laughs> Honestly, you know, it, it feels
3: like it does
6: in a lot of ways. Well,
0: he like, does. Technically, I think mo- all of his movies take place in <laughs> like.
6: Samuel L.
1: Jackson's a vampire. <laughs> if, oh my God, if you think about it like that, the briefcase. It was the jewels and the diamonds from the Heist and Reservoir Dogs. And to get down below, because spoilers, uh, Mr. Pink, Steve Buscemi's character, was probably one of the only ones that made it out alive. He was the only one that made it out alive. Mm-hmm. And now, he's a fucking waiter at Jackrabbit Slim's. Not getting tipped, because he's a fuckhead. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep, yes. And neat. Django
5: was killing the KKK.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was It's all the same universe, happened. Yeah, right? yeah. No, yeah.
6: Maybe. I mean... Does literally. that mean Tarantino's last film is in space? I mean, I think oh, the only thing so. that ties
1: all his films together is the the, the red apple cigarettes, right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they're, like, everywhere <laughs> yep. in his movies. I would love, 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 love to see a sci-fi
3: Tarantino. I
1: think we're getting a Star Trek, right? he
0: want He wants so bad to do a fucking Star Trek movie. I
6: forgot that, that that was a story that came out a while back. See, that's weird. Like, it's
0: been, like... He, He's been like vocal about wanting to do that for. Years. I would actually
3: think that might be a lot of fun.
0: But see, that's weird though because it's like Star Trek has always dealt with
2: like you know racism and xenophobia, and it's like a lot of his movies have racist shit in it.
3: I mean, it deals with, but that's a big controversial thing. I don't know if we want to get into that here. Uh,
6: that,
0: that's that's up to y'all. I
6: you know
3: is I think it's kind of a double edged sword in a way where it is very racist. It also. I don't know. It's hard. I don't want it, to... It's difficult. It's something... It's
0: definitely, like, super complicated. And I'm
3: also not... I'm not a part of the community, so it's very difficult for me to... to I can't even talk on it, really, because it's just not yeah, something it, that I experience or deal yeah. with. Yeah, it's just... So, it's, like,
0: literally just a bunch of white dudes being like... Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so with... I mean, like, but at the same time, I don't know. I. I... It is, it is a, it's a product of his time. It really is. I mean, like, I remember whenever I was young, and maybe it's just because we're from central Alabama, but... When that we definitely were, doesn't help. Watching it from young, when we were younger, I didn't even notice those words, the, the those phrases and things like that. But now that we're older...
5: I cringed every single time. Yeah, every time. single time.
2: Honestly, when I first watched it, I don't watch, I didn't watch with subtitles, so, like... I didn't notice a lot. Did you loop.
5: watch with the ears? I just want
3: to know. <laughs> Is that crap against people who can't watch movies without subtitles? I'm sorry, Pat. Like, oh my god, he's got a gun! Like no,
2: literally, I did not start. I didn't. I didn't even think about it. But like, I did not start watching movies with subtitles until I started hanging out with the lads. Like that was never a thing. I when, love subtitles. I, no, I love it too. It's just like I never. I never thought about it. I was just Damn. like, it makes things easier. Now
5: you can know what they're saying.
2: I mean, I always knew what they're saying, except Are for sure? except for Pulp Fiction. I look like, watching it now and seeing all the
3: shit that's in there, I'm like, Jesus. Sounds uh. like
5: selective memory. It could be. And that's the thing is that
3: we, we, we did grow up with it. It was something that was very common for us, at least for us. It was very, very common. Oh, oh my certain God. Certain words, certain phrases, and things like that. It, it's that, disgusting. That I, we've kind of yeah. been, not necessarily, we've been, we I don't want to say deprogrammed, but programmed to look at them differently and more critically, and actually see those words and see those phrases and see how they hurt and harm people, and to where every single time that was on screen, one of us in the room was like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That, like, yeah it, yikes. Yeah, there was, a, and it
0: wasn't even just like the racial slurs either, it was, some other things where, like, looking back on it, even though I love this movie, it's still like, mm, yeah, there are
3: things that are almost inexcusable, and I don't know. The
5: Inuit scene where uh, it's young Bruce Willis sitting in front of the TV. Yeah. I uh, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Part of oh. me
0: thinks that was probably like some show real he watched, real TV show he watched as a kid. No,
6: because I remember that that was an actual show, like, way back in the day because the show was, like, so bare bones cheap. That they, they couldn't afford to animate mouths moving, so they just had they just like, chopped you know chopped and They just put over actual people speaking over the mouths yeah. because they didn't have the money to animate you know, lips moving. So that's just really just a static cutout picture with like this just very jarring, probably traumatized a lot of kids back yeah. in the <laughs> early 50s yeah. of just like a mouth movie. And that, that's why, you know, Conan O'Brien parodied it in one of his, like, you know, segments on, on his late night talk show. Cause that's what that segment was. It had just a, mm-hmm. a sad picture with just mouse moving. And of course, like, with just this, with this a lot of very troubling language in the movie, and of course it is very deliberate, and your sort of reaction to it it's it's your choice it's your it's your feeling however you feel about it it's valid and it's it's sort of it's your prerogative how to consume the movie what you feel about it because it is it's, it's very loaded language it's very loaded feelings and whatever person that comes to it approaches it differently and however you feel it is valid it's, the movie is not going to be for everyone and that's okay yeah. In my
3: like, and that kind of comes back down to what we we're talking about earlier about things we would change. For me, I think that the one scene, the one scene in particular, I change is the scene with Tarantino himself in the movie, and he's talking about Mar. Uh, what's what's Marvin? Marvin's he, yeah. body in the car. And he says it so yeah, many and, times and, and in it's like with, a minute, and it's weird because throughout the entire movie, I think the only person that says it is it is both Samuel Jackson and. Uh, was Vince Vaughn? What's his name? Not Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's what's the guy's name who plays Marcellus? Oh, Vin Vin Rams. Yeah, he, I think those are two are the only people that say it until Tarantino. Neither of them say it.
0: Since. Well, the the racist uh, uh, rednecks. Rednecks. Oh, and the racist oh, rednecks.
3: Yeah. Okay, racist rednecks makes sense. They had a fucking Confederate flag on the wall. Okay, uh, Samuel Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, what's it? Vin Rams. Yeah, they're saying it, and it's part of their cult. It's part of the culture, right? Fucking T- Tarantino comes in and he says it with vin- with a vindictive sort of nature to himself, very violent nature to himself, and it's almost it's very intentional, and it seems like he's very much having fun with it. Yeah, well,
6: that's, that's something we we, like, we kind of talked and sort of joked about, like you know, it, like Tarantino seems to take like the taking away, like running with the privilege, like oh, if I have a black friend. It lets me say, you know, a certain word, and I can just say it as much as I want. Or, like, I mean, within ten feet of a black person I know, I can just, I can just go ham. Yeah,
0: and, and um, I, I made this joke that I stole from uh, these uh, uh, these guys. The uh, guys uh, have a YouTube channel called Double Toasted. They're these black uh, film critics, and they re- they take issue with Tarantino's use of uh, racial language, and they they said. I swear to God, I think he wants to be black so bad
4: <laughs> that, that he
0: literally, like, you know, because he didn't have to cast himself no, in that role no. either. And
3: it was he, his, it was his direct. He was the writer. He was the director. He was the person who cast himself into that role. So this was him, like giving himself a pass to say whatever he wants <laughs> it makes no sense. And it makes no sense. And it's, <laughs> it's completely inappropriate. It's completely inappropriate. And I do really think that's one scene that I think that needs to be... Rem- like, not, not removed. But, it needs to stay in the movie because it is what it is. What yeah, it is. Know, it's definitely it a big point of criticism. But I do think it's a major point of criticism. And I think it's a, a very valid point yeah. of criticism that he was very... I mean, like it's one thing to have racist freaks... You know, violent rapist freaks say it. It's another to, to have, have the, the director, director <laughs> writer, and etc. Uh, say say it. it like giving yeah. himself
2: privilege. Like it doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense, and
3: it's
0: not. I could see someone making the bad faith argument of him like, "Oh, this is him saying, you know how like up did he do?" White people also use it, but it's. It doesn't feel like it's framed it's like, that way. Well. No.
3: Just because just because an up to do white person would say it does not mean it has to be written into a movie. Yeah, it, like let's well, say, well and, this and is a movie. This is a creative. This is piece. a completely fictional story. Whatever, if you're drawing, you're responsible for whatever you draw. If you draw someone naked, you draw someone naked. If you draw a flower, you draw a flower. Mm-hmm. If you're writing a movie, you don't have to be like, let's be as realistic as possible. They had a fucking glowing briefcase. He doesn't have to. <laughs> and say literally, that. the
0: the little square. Yeah. Puma-therma and again,
3: yeah. we are all white dudes here, so we're. <laughs> <laughs> You know, to so it's difficult for because we, you know, I recognize that it's it's problem. We recognize that it's problematic, and mm-hmm. it's something that you know comes up a time and a time again. If we ever get back to another Tarantino movie at some point,
0: yeah, especially so, more like Hateful Eight or yeah. Django or movies like. that.
3: And whether or not he's whether or not he has any um vitriol or if, if he's if he's actually being hateful I can't attest to and I'm not going to try and play that mo- that advocate there yeah I just think that it's inappropriate and I think that it's not something that um I don't think it was appropriate then and I'm not sure I, I definitely yeah. know it's not appropriate now I, I like
0: I do think he has a respect and affinity for black culture like I said this is coming from a white dude so you know take everything I say with a grain of salt. But like, but it still doesn't make any of that okay.
3: I think he has. A, I think, but I don't know if he has a thing for black culture or if he has a thing for cinematic black culture, which again is, is not is, all of black culture. And that well, no, it's a it's a it's a it's a view of black culture that comes from the perspective of of Hollywood, which is predominantly white men. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so it's very difficult for again, it's very difficult to say that he has a respect for black culture when. I'm not black, and I'm don't. i I'm not a part of that world.
0: <laughs> or is it like respect or fetishization?
3: I think it's more fetishization. I really do. Yeah. Same thing with feet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> God, this fucking feet in his man, movies. John Bruce Travolta's Willis. sock feet. <laughs>
5: um, and Bruce Willis' dirty feet. All right, do we have any final things we
0: want to say about the movie?
2: I don't know. I think that's it. I mean, over like, you know... Uh, like we should,
6: should we go around and see like our like final like yay or nay you know, recommendations? Oh yeah, yeah. is yeah. it an essential Could viewing? we see this. star scores? How you want to cap it off? And
0: I say just do whatever you think is right. Uh, Let's start with Wenzel this time.
2: Oh, star score, um, I still keep it at uh, four, four to five, four to five stars. And uh, is it an essential viewing? Uh, yeah. I think I think it's very much essential. I mean, like uh, Cody said, it's not very deep, but the thing is it's still very lively, and there's still, like, you can still find some shells at the bottom of the ocean floor. It's <laughs> some pretty stuff. I don't if know. If you want. If you want to. Um, but, yeah, what about you, Pat?
6: Um, a star score, I'd probably give it close to a four. Would I call it essential viewing, it's a very, it's a very, your big very, very, Mm-hmm. I would say if you, um, if somehow you've, you know, gone through this whole movie, and sort of, gone through this whole sort of conversation without seeing it, maybe that's good. To sort of get, get, to like, if there's a movie that you're unsure about, maybe, possibly, maybe uncomfortable with, do as much research as you can on it, and then make an informed decision whether or not this film will be for you. I know it won't be for everyone. I can't. I feel like I can't recommend it to everyone. And so I would
1: just say be cautious going in and do your research
2: so that's a maybe
1: I would um, I, don't, I don't really like scales and stars and decibel points and all that shit you I gotta would, give it a
0: 4.257 well, canon well, Pat nothing Patton pisses said me maybe, off more than so.
1: when IGN's like I'll give this an 8.7 fuck off are you kidding me round that bitch up <laughs> But um, I would definitely consider this uh, essential viewing uh, to me it you don't necessarily have to have a budget out the ass. A, a budget out the ass to... Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. If um, this is on ass... Uh, to just film two people talking and if they are having an entertaining conversation, that's really all you need. I guess in a way, that's why I I like most of Tarantino's work and I guess a, a huge chunk of Kevin Smith's work because that's basically all yeah, of Kevin he's, Smith's He's stuff. very dialogue... Uh, uh, proficient, in. but uh, yeah, I've, I've grown up with pulp fiction. I know that may be weird to say, like I said, a lot of us were, yeah, we're very children well. when we saw this movie for the first time, <laughs> probably shouldn't have, yeah. But, yeah, but um, Cody forced me into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I still enjoy this movie and essential viewing, yes,
5: okay. Uh, I like star rating, uh, I'd say it's a four out of five. I, I still enjoy the movie. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, I, I would, wa- I recommend it. I'd recommend watching this because I feel like uh, if you've never seen a Tarantino movie, it might be a little rough going into it. All but it's also rough. probably, might just be a good idea to just jump right in so you can start off strong I and you can come down as you go on through time.
3: I personally think that uh, I would, first of all, I want to give it a four and a half out of five. Okay. There's a half point there for that I'm taking away from there because of some ne- unnecessary things throughout. The, like uh, we didn't even get to touch on the rape scene, but like uh, yeah, should, <laughs> <I don't, laughs> We're yeah. not going to go there, but I it definitely sh- there's things in this movie that were for shock value and for intense value that I don't think should be there. However, I do think this is essential viewing uh, under certain categories, right? Like yeah. overall essential viewing, maybe. It's not. I, do I think it's a defining movie of some sort? I do think so. I think if you're really looking for a dialogue-heavy movie, if you want to see good dialogue, good character interactions, and great character growth, especially of some of our modern, most popular actors, then I definitely think this is essential viewing. I think this is also essential viewing if you're looking at Quarantino. 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 <laughs> I, it's it's, it's <laughs> what I call him. It's what I, I hate saying Quentin Tarantino. It's just so fucking long. No, fuck, go so for it. I just want to call him Quarantino at this point. Uh <laughs> If you're really going for that Quarantino, like like you want to go into his filmography, I disagree with Colton. Say that this is a rough one. I think this is quintessential
1: Quentin. Oh, oh this yes, is, yes, no, yes. This, a doubt. Is, this is
3: This is the constant. This is this is what this is his defining movie to me. A lot of people see it as Django. A lot of people see it as Inglorious Bastards. They're all really good movies. I've seen all those movies, but and I, even even uh, the the new one, the Hollywood, Once Upon a time, time in Hollywood. Time in Hollywood I thought that one was my new favorite but going back and watching Pulp Fiction there's just something so comforting and, and I don't want to say comforting it's very <laughs> it's like eating hot wings right? Like it's something you love and something enjoy familiar Familiar, right? Um, and you feel like you're with friends when you watch it Like You, you were You, you, you <laughs> Well, shut up It, it's, it felt very personal it, felt, it feels very personal So if you're looking for a, a Quarantino like a I, I full on who he is as an individual and movie if you're looking for like greatest directors of or not say greatest but most influential directors of our Mm -hmm. decade yeah Mm -hmm. if you're looking for that sort of thing yeah you're gonna have your Spielberg yeah you're gonna have your Lucas you're gonna have your um you're gonna have your um James Cameron I I would say you would have your Tarantino in there as well yeah this would be the one movie you watch from Tarantino
0: I agree I think this is definitely his best um even with the very 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 problematic issues aside i like i sort of agree with canon in the sense of like giving like any sort of like numerical values kind of arbitrary but like if i were to make a hypothetical top 10 i could definitely see it easily being in the top 5 just for how how much this movie has meant to me but also like pat was saying Definitely, definitely do your research before watching this movie because it does have some very intense scenes and gratuitous, shocking content that isn't for everybody. Right. Yep. And, well, with that note, uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast. Uh, Give us a rating, review, helps out a lot. Uh, We upload uh, essential viewings on Wednesdays. We're going to try to do these twice a month. But like to start out, we're probably just going to do them once a month until we can get in a routine and the yeah. schedule. Uh, this is going to be the first time I actually use my Twitter as a plug. Oh. Oh.
3: Defining moment here.
5: Twitter debut. Now you're going to see him retweeting porn. Now, oh, what the <laughs> heck, Fuck
2: off. This time he's alive. For real.
0: For realsies. Uh, you can follow me at JohnOdinson12 on Twitter. I don't really post much, but I'll probably be posting updates for essential viewing as they come along. And uh, with that, let's
3: get everybody else's plugs. My name is Cody. You can follow me at CODDOC11. That's CODDOC11. I've enjoyed this. This is fun. This is a fun new thing where we deep dive, and I'm very excited to see the future of essential viewing.
5: Um, Colt, you follow me on Twitter at d 0 Like Cody said, this was fun. I did enjoy this. Uh, Let's try
3: to do it a little earlier next time. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely.
5: I, I'm a little dead, and I feel like uh, I've only ate uh, ice cream for dinner. <laughs> uh, I <suck> that <laughs> Maybe notion. because that's
2: what you did. Everybody offered you food.
5: I don't want to steal people's food. <laughs> you're not stealing. <laughs> the food I tried to eat was rotten. <laughs>
1: oh, Wait, rotten? What? It's yeah. a long story. Oh, Tuna <laughs> goes bad in the freezer, apparently. Oh. Oh, I am Cannon. You can find me at that Cannon guy on Twitter, and I promise next time I will be well rested. Uh, working in a restaurant in a college town it is hot dog garbage. So, and you can also find me at uh, the bed here real soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if if you're out working, uh,
6: going to the restaurant this weekend or just any time, be respectful of the people that work there.
5: Tip your wait oh. Tip your waiters. <laughs> yes. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Don't be a Steve Bushimi. <laughs> yes, Buddy Holly. Don't be
0: Steve Bushimi in Russ War. Don't dolls. be
5: a
6: Buddy Holly. Yeah, don't have big wet eyes. Uh, this is Patrick. Thank you all for listening. To this. this is a, a brand new show we're trying out. And we hope you enjoy it. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Name. You can follow my art on Facebook at John Lost's Name Art.
2: Uh, this is Wenzel. You can follow me on Twitter at Wendy Wilkie. You can follow my art Instagram at World of Winsy. Thank you for listening. I'm really excited for this as well. We have some fun stuff planned. Thank you for canon also for coming on in this. Yes.
1: Yeah. Thank yeah. you for yeah. having me. Yeah. I feel really bad for being as tired as I am. No, probably. you did not. You don't have to apologize. I really feel for tired that? after working no. the no.
6: entire break. day, then watching a the movie for hours, hanging out, shooting the shit, and then. Eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking down this movie. It, it, <laughs> you gotta admit, it we're kind of fun, though, right?
1: Oh, I, I had a blast. Yeah, I, no. Like I said, like I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and I... I Highly enjoyed this. Yeah, and you brought and you brought dialogue, so that yeah, and barely any. Like I think I talked more in ah. the rib episode than this one. <laughs> that's you saying did, something. You did I, fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, um,
2: uh, no, something else I should say too. When I said something about the seashell and coral reef, don't take coral from coral reef. Don't do that. That's bad. If, you, if you just take a shell, a little. Don't little,
5: take anything. Actually, fuck that. They're dying. Not if it's on They're the beach. If it's on the beach, if it's on the beach, if it's just a shell, a shell is not a coral. There's okay, a difference. All right, it's All, on all the right.
0: Have we decided what movie we're doing next? Uh, I mean, or do we want to we'll wait and post that?
6: We'll wait and post that. We'll wait and post it. Okay, all don't worry. We have over two hundred movies on our rosters. So it could it, it, anything yeah. can pop up. But that's two not, girls,
3: one cup. But the, <laughs> that's no randomizer for it. Anyways, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah. I do want to mention that if you are still listening to this right now, uh, we we still we're still doing AYCH uh, weekly. No, we're not. Um, Tanner's dad. This will be on our SoundCloud. I think it's going to be put in a separate playlist. We can, I think we're going
6: to... We're going to make a separate playlist. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be in our
3: main feed on Spotify. <laughs> uh, not Spotify. Well, yeah, it'll be on our main feed on all of our things, but on SoundCloud, you can actually go, and you'll be able to listen through each. So this is going to be... It's a part of the, It's part of AYCH, but it's also its own thing. So. It's an
6: AYCH uh, podcast network. We're growing every we're day. We're growing Boom. with the same people.
3: Yep. Uh... All right. Yeah.
2: That's it. Thank you. Bye.
6: Bye. 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 It's so long.
2: Uh, feet.